everybody, it's Drags. It's Wednesday, February 12th, time for episode 337 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Find us at clnsmedia.com and follow us as always on Twitter at PatriotsCLNS. Welcoming back Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston, the authentic voice of Patriots coverage on NBC Sports Boston. Follow the authentic voice uh, on Twitter at Phil A. Perry. Welcome back, Phil. How you been? You know what? I'm just going to start calling myself the authentic voice. Just fill that out. Have that put on the driver's license. Um, you know, the, on the post business office. Card. Head over there and just, uh, have my name officially and legally changed. Track. That's a great idea on your part. I'm I'm great, buddy. Thanks for having me on. So you know where it really needs to be is uh, right under the avatar in your descriptor descriptor on uh, Twitter. That's really in this day and age where it's got to be. So I expect, uh, and I've got your uh, profile up right now. And do I see? I do not. So you, it no, better be no. in there by the end of the week. All right, all right, you're right, because if it doesn't happen on Twitter, we all know it didn't really happen, so that's, you're right, I, I think I do have to make that change now. That's exactly right. How was uh, Miami? I know you and Tommy Curran went down there. How different was the vibe uh, for you and Tommy uh, and the other pa- Patriots beat writers down there without the Patriots actually there? Yeah, very different, a lot of fun. Um, did not attend, other than media night, actually did not go to a single team media availability period at the you know respective team hotels which obviously we're all over those and the patriots are in the game whether we're at the patriots hotel or or the opposing sure. teams um but there's just so much on radio road tracks and you know this but there's just so many people interesting to talk to because they have an ability to speak on a certain topic with some authority give some insight that you wouldn't otherwise get but a lot of times they're also Great interviews because they're on Radio Row and they either work for a radio station or they're headed to do some work for a radio station. And uh, so it was a lot of fun on that end to be able to just bounce around and have a little bit of freedom and pick people off as they were coming through. You know, whoever we could get, whether it was Rob Ryan or Vinny Testaverde or Doug Flutie or the McCordys, um, it was a it was a pretty productive week for us down there. Oh, we always we all already know how hard the McCordys are to talk to. Period. Come on, Devin McCourty <laughs> and Jason. Well, Devin, especially, and you guys obviously have a fabulous they're, they're relationship. They're pretty much available. They're pretty much available as it is. Yeah, you're right. They're they're always available. But you know, listen, get a little bit of a news nugget. Hit yeah. free agency. They a package deal. Jason's contract is actually an option. He's not really under contract for next year. So even the guys that we always get. Even those guys were pretty good. I don't know. Maybe it was just the uh, the weather down in Miami, Trags, that had everybody in a talkative mood. Um, okay, so the the biggest interview that you got that I noticed, uh, and I think you know where I'm going with this, uh, was not a football interview. Uh, it was you doing a uh, walkout, as we call it in the business, with one David Ortiz. How did that come about? Uh, essentially just grabbed him and said, hey, David, we've got two questions. Uh, and he was he was totally cool. Said, Listen, that guy's the mayor, uh, not just in Boston, but pretty much anywhere he goes. And he is surrounded by about a half a dozen people um, at all times. But, uh, you know, I actually uh, covered a little bit of Red Sox back in the day, Trags, as obviously you have done for, yep. uh, for a long time. I do but remember that. 2013, 2012, 2013, I was down there quite a bit. And 
David Ortiz was always, I would call him, um, uh, not the antithesis of the superstar because he obviously has this air about him that is 100% superstar. But when it comes to being a novice on the beat, which I was, um, and yet still making time for me, that was something that he did on a handful of occasions. So I have no idea if he actually remembered me. He acted like he did when I told him, hey, you know, uh, 2012, 2013, coverage you. Hey, you know, and then everybody's bro and everybody's getting a hug, you know, <laughs> whether you covered him or not, probably. So uh, it really was not all that difficult of a, of a snag to get him. And uh, we did have to do a little bit of walking, uh, which really challenges my conditioning level, Trags. Oh, uh, but on. we got through it, and we didn't pass out, and uh, and and we did okay. Um, now, what's interesting to me about that is uh, the approachability of David Ortiz, and that's kind of the difference between. And I know you have worked your ass off in terms of developing relationships down in Foxborough, and you have fabulous relationships. But I'm talking in general terms here that Patriots players are not. Uh, traditionally as approachable as a guy like David Ortiz. And the guy that reminds me of David Ortiz on the Patriots and he's not playing anymore is not uh, Tom Brady, who is who certainly was at his level in terms of accomplishments, but rather uh, Gronk, don't you think? Yeah, that's a, it's a, it's an interesting point that you raise. I think it's a good one. Gronk, um, very much like Ortiz, uh, would stop and talk to just about anybody. I don't know if he was as forthcoming as Ortiz can be because Ortiz for all intents and purposes was the boss. Like who was David Ortiz answering to other right. than maybe John Henry and the, you know, what does John Henry care about what David Ortiz does for the most part? So um, Rob Gronkowski still had that veil of, I really don't want to get called into the principal's office here. And so I'm going to be a little bit careful with, with what I try to say. I mean, after I thought the BB Jones, the, the B.B. Jones incident, I think, changed him a little bit yep. um, because I think he did get a talking to after that happened where he, all he did was, you know, take a picture uh, with her. But uh, he got a talking to. I think it was stern enough that it, it changed his approach pretty significantly for essentially the rest of his career. It's interesting. He, he did sort of open up a little bit in his last season tracks because I, I thought we saw a very emotional, at times ordinary, uh, but very emotional and then right up through Super Bowl week, very forthcoming about the ordeals that the players have to go through physically and mentally. Um, and so we got a lot of insight from Gronk in 2018 that we uh, didn't typically get. But, yeah, pretty good comp. And, of course, a great comp because they did those um, unforgettable, really, Dunkin' Donuts commercials together. Yeah, they were fabulous, and uh, that is very true. Uh, the other uh, – <laughs> the, the guy that you bring up uh, – that you uh, and Tommy have a terrific relationship with is Devin McCourty. And everybody's been focused on Tom Brady, and for good reason. I mean, he is the face of the franchise, and uh, we are entering uncharted waters. But the guy that's not getting a lot of focus uh, because of all of the attention on Tom Brady is Devin McCourty. He is a 33-year-old free agent. But what's interesting to me, Phil Perry, is that He's, he is playing right now as good a footballer, you know, certainly last year I thought he was as good as he has ever been as a free safety for the Patriots. Yeah, I thought it really was in, in some ways uh, almost a career year. I think it was uh, unfortunate for him that he, he didn't 
uh, getting into the Pro Bowl uh, or see any sort of all-pro recognition. But uh, when you talk about a defense that was, for this franchise at least, historically good, it was not the defense that we thought it was early on when they were on pace to be a league-wide sort of historically good defense and statistically dominant defense. But they ended up still as one of the best in team history, and the strength of that defense really was in the secondary. And when you talk about the secondary and the brains of the secondary, you start and you end with Devin McCourty. And don't get me wrong, they have plenty of smart guys back there, but it's McCourty who has final say. And it's McCourty who other players are looking to right before the snap, coming out of the huddle, whatever the matchup is, is if it's changing, if the situation is changing, if they're seeing a look they haven't seen before, McCourty is the guy that everybody turns to, even for somebody like Patrick Chung or Deron Harmon or guys that have had tons of experience in this defense. And that's part of the reason they were as effective as they, uh, as they were as a secondary was because of their collective experience. But without Devin McCourty, you really lose a lot. And so I think you're right. I think it is sort of an underrated potential loss uh, that the Patriots could have on their hands if McCourty ends up playing elsewhere because I think he would be worth quite a bit on the open market, and the question is, does he want to be with his brother in New England if the brother's option gets picked up? Does he want to be somewhere else where they're going to pay him a little bit more? I think those are all very real questions. They're important, and I think whatever happens at that spot will really dictate how this defense looks moving forward because between McCourty and Hightower, those are the two nerve centers of what the Patriots do defensively because there is so much that changes in real time that Bill Belichick can't explain to them in real time. And so to have those players is incredibly valuable. And I would think that the Patriots would be willing to pony up for Devin McCourty, but they're an old team drags. Yeah, I wonder if this is the year Bill Belichick looks at it and says we need to get younger. And so if that's the case, obviously you can't be surprised if they decide to let him hit free agency and move on. I think they can get younger, but do they want to get younger elsewhere along the defense? Because Devin McCourty doesn't play old. And I think that's really kind of the thing that Belichick is looking at when he's evaluating the value of a certain player to his roster. And because Devin McCourty's speed is still, I would say, elite for a safety in the NFL, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I still think he has uh, very, very good speed to elite speed. Um, the thing is, are the Patriots going to want to, pay him nine and a half to ten million dollars of the salary cap especially given the uncertainty over how much brady is going to cost and are they willing to do it for multiple years i right. mean i think that that might be even the more important question because nine million for a year sure why not lock it up that's fine with us seven you still mean a lot to us as a defense let's go and let's go make another run at this thing but if it starts getting into two or three year deals which i imagine he might be getting other places then I could see the Patriots maybe balking at that and saying, okay, you don't play slow now. You don't play old, as you put it, and he doesn't. I'm with you there. But what is it going to look like in 2021 or 2022? Um, and so I, I think that will factor into the decision. But I come back to it and I say, if, if you're really going to compete next year, I don't think it's going to be because of your offense, even if Tom Brady is back. And you can Agreed. make a splash move. But even for them to get back to where they were last year, I mean, you're going to be without your your best offensive line. 
Freeman, it looks like, headed to free agency. Your best receiver is another year older after playing hurt and playing phenomenally while hurt, but playing hurt for a lot of this past season. You have young players that you still aren't really sure what you're getting. Maybe they'll improve, but it's not a guarantee. And so I think your defense still needs to be very good for this team to be a good team next year, and Dev McCourty would go a long way in accomplishing that. Speaking with Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston covering the NFL and the Patriots. Footballs might be packed away for the year, but basketball, hockey, and golf seasons are in full swing. You can find all the odds with our exclusive sportsbook partner, Bet Online. They have been in the industry for over 20 years, providing customers with the first-to-market odds and giving you the ability to bet anytime anywhere. So head on over to betonline.ag and use that promo code. You should know it by now. It's CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And have a little fun with some betting action today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. Speaking with Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston. Thanks for taking the time out uh, here, Phil. Um, okay, before we get to uh, the biggest elephant that's ever been in any room in the Patriots facility, and we know what that is, you mentioned uh, before uh, the break about uh, the offensive line and you know the maybe their most a valuable offensive lineman, uh, Joe Tooney. You don't think there's a chance he comes back next year? I think there's a chance, but you look at the guard market and where it's gone. I mean, just a couple of years ago when the Patriots signed Shaq Mason to an extension, it put him among the highest paid interior offensive linemen in the league. He wasn't the highest paid and he didn't deserve to be, but he did deserve the bump that he got. Well, now that deal is, is sort of looking like a pretty run-of-the-mill type of contract because every year, and we understand why this happens, the salary cap goes up. I think teams are also understanding that interior offensive linemen are important because interior defensive linemen are becoming more disruptive than ever before. And so the salaries have increased. And you look at it, and Joe Tooney has an argument to be, if not the highest-paid guard in the league, one of the top two or three. Again, based on where the market has gone, how much he has played, an incredibly durable player. I mean, really is remarkable just the number of snaps and the percentage of the snaps he's played since he came in as a rookie, how effective he's been. I thought he had a tremendous year. He's a very good pass-blocking guard. He's a good athlete. And so if you want to run a, a running game scheme that allows guards to get on the move, whether it's pullers or maybe you like to run the screen game, you like to maybe play a zone type of running scheme like a Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay type of offense that we're seeing sort of spread across the NFL over the course of the last couple of years. That type of skill set that Joe Tooney has is incredibly valuable. He's light on his feet. He's big enough. He's not a mauler, but that's not the game in 2020. And so I look at it and I say, if he's going to be the highest paid guard in the league or even number two or three or four, I find it really hard to believe that the Patriots are going to match that. I think they probably feel like to some extent you can find interior offensive linemen, and they wouldn't be wrong, but it all it means is you're all of a sudden introducing uncertainty and risk right. exactly. to a position that did not have it last year. Well, and the other thing, if they let Joe Tooney go, the other thing it means is I think Yadni Kajust and Jalti uh, Froholt get their opportunities, right? I mean, I, would you read that the same way? 
Froholt for sure. Kajus is probably more of a tackle, and so you know it could mean more more time or opportunity for him as well because you do have this interesting piece in Isaiah Wynn who played guard in college. He obviously played tackle as well, and that's where the Patriots have played him, and I thought he asserted himself nicely there last year. Uh, but he could play guard. And so if your best five has Isaiah Wynn at left guard and somebody else at left tackle or somebody else at right tackle, if you want to, I don't know if you want to kick Marcus Cannon over, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But maybe no, that's something that they feel like is. is. Yeah. Right. I mean, but you know, you never know how they want to shake it up, especially when you do have somebody who's a good athlete like Wynn who could play guard if you wanted to. It's also a, a pretty loaded offensive tackle draft track. There's going to be five guys or so, um, you know, taken in the first round, and it looks like there could be four taken in the top. So maybe that's where they dip into this year, and they say, Isaiah, you're a guard, and whoever we just took in the first round, we're going to try to make it work at left tackle. So they have some options there. It's just you don't really know how good those options are right now. Speaking with Phil A. Perry, and that's his uh, handle on Twitter, um, Phil A. Perry of uh, NBC Sports Boston, uh, doing a tremendous job. As I thought well. we were going with the authentic voice. I thought we were going with the authentic uh, we'll voice. We'll get there. Contract. We'll, we'll get there today? towards the end. Okay. I'm not going to overuse um, something that I'm trying to build up. I'm not going to hammer it into the ground yet. Oh, okay. So give me a break and let well, me get to it me. at the end. Build it up at the beginning, build it up at the end, and then uh, we'll uh, nuance nuance it a little bit in the middle of this podcast. Thank you. Um, I got you. Yeah, I appreciate that, Phil. Um, you good? I just want to make sure that uh, you're comfortable on the podcast. You good, Phil? I'm great. I'm great, Craig. You know that. You sound um, relaxed I and happy. So, let, my God. yeah. Let let's take a quick aside. I have never seen you angry. In all of the years I've known you, I've never seen you, like, upset. I've seen you befuddled with, like, maybe a glazed look on your face if there is something, <laughs> if there is a story breaking. But I've never seen you upset, and I've never seen you uh, caught off guard. And that's one of the things I appreciate well, you as as a broadcast professional. Wow. Well, that really means a lot to me, but I'm also a little bit offended because now I know for a fact <laughs> you have never watched NBC Sports Boston because all I am on air is angry. I'm yelling at Tangway or I'm yelling at Curran and okay, uh, here's very hot, very quickly. Oh, yeah. Anger through the roof. I mean, I just reach my I've point. Ne- I go from zero to 60, like before you can say go you know i, I mean, should so, have so clarified oh you've me on oh, no no that's incorrect which is fine which that's is fine. incorrect in, you've got a lot going on that's okay i'm not so, hurt so let's clarify here i've never seen you in person on the beat angry because let's face it let's be very honest here phil when you're when the green when the red light is on you're you're on and you're performing but i'm talking about when i actually <laughs> see the real phil perry um, in the press room, in the press box, what have you. Uh, I've never seen you lose your cool. So anyway, let's get well, back. I let's, appreciate it. I yeah, you're very welcome. Let's get back to what everybody is talking about. I'm pretty sick of this story by now. Uh, it's either to me, frankly, should I get off the pot with the Tom Brady story, but I get it. It's, you know, the story that was going to dominate uh, the headlines in the Patriots offseason and 
until some type of resolution was reached, and we're still waiting on that resolution. In 2020, at the age of 43, Tom Brady is playing for the fill-in-the-blank. Tom Brady in 2020 is playing for the, I'll say Indianapolis Colts today. Why not? Because okay. it's changed uh, just about every day. But I like I like the thought of the Indianapolis Colts because, Trag, they have $100 million cap space. They already have a pretty good team. They could become a very good team very quickly. If they have a quarterback, maybe you add a receiver to go alongside T.Y. Hilton. They have enough money to pay Amari Cooper if they wanted to, just saying. Danny Amendola, throw him into the mix to make Brady feel a little bit more comfortable. Then you add a defensive piece or two with all that money that you have, Chris Ballard, and all of a sudden they might be the favorites to make it to the Super Bowl out of the AFC right there with the Kansas City Chiefs next season. I think if Tom Brady really wants a good situation, listen, we talk a lot about money. We can talk about that if you want, but I think that is part of the equation. I don't think it is the primary factor. I think he wants to have fun playing football. I think he wants to look good on the football field. I think he wants to be surrounded by people that will help him look good on the football field. To me, Indy is a place that would allow him to do that. And the reason they're a little bit different than L.A., who has Keenan Allen, uh, Mike Williams, a couple of talented receivers. Tampa Bay has Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and other couple of talented receivers, like great receiving cores in both those places. If Tom Brady ends up going to a place like Indy and there is enough of a relationship before getting into the official start of free agency, somebody like Chris Ballard during the legal tampering period might be able to tell Don Yee, hey, Don, let us know who Tom wants and we'll go get him. And you could essentially make him assistant GM. I mean, that, like that's the kind of clout that Brady would have going into another system, another city, another program. And if he doesn't love Mike Evans or Chris Godwin, I don't know why he would. Maybe he just doesn't like the idea of going to Tampa Bay. He says to himself, well, I could go to Indy and make something a little bit even better maybe because they're going to be my guys. They're going to be the guys that I chose and handpicked. And so I look at a place like Indy and I would say that maybe aside from the fact that it's sort of a middling market and he would have to forgive the fact that they were the team that essentially started the flake I get that maybe a long shot, but I think the combination of the cap space and the fact that they're already a good team with a good offensive line, a good running game. I think that would be attractive to Brady. Uh, what about the possibilities of San Francisco if the 49ers were to um, not pick up the option and buy out Jimmy G uh, for the next, what, two years, three years, uh, three years, uh, or Dallas? Now, the Dallas one kind of came out of nowhere, I think, to some observers, not all observers. But if uh, Stephen Jones doesn't make good uh, on his suggestion that uh, things are fixing to heat up in the negotiations with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys are in um, the market for a quarterback and Michael Irvin made reference to this as well. Um, do you think there's any chance of the 49ers or Cowboys, even even a remote chance? The 49ers, it seems like, no. I mean, they're, they're all in on Jimmy, uh, which I understand. You know, he helped you get to a Super Bowl, though his postseason was not good. Uh, I understand he, he made a couple of nice throws in the Super Bowl and – I guess he was going to be the de facto MVP because there really hadn't been a clear MVP. Maybe you could have argued it was Nick Bosa. He was probably the most dominant player on the field that night if San Francisco had won. Um, 
I just I would think about it if I was San Francisco. I mean, you're not. It's not like you're giving Jimmy Garoppolo away and then starting fresh at the position. You're bringing in, depending on what you think of Tom Brady. I agree. Arguably the best. You know, still one still one of the best quarterbacks in in football. You know, and so it's it's not like the the fire sale. Like I've, I've seen people say, oh, it's it's ludicrous to to think about giving away Jimmy Garoppolo. And I disagree. If the, if the option is Tom Brady, if you know, you can get Tom Brady, then I would say, hell yeah, I'll part with Jimmy. Garoppolo well, not only that, or sure Jimmy Garoppolo can win a championship. Not only that, but you, first of all, let's look at it from the team perspective. You're talking about a, uh, a player who's, who's going to be 26 point, whatever million towards the cap the next three years. And, you know, I guess you can make the argument that is a bargain, but it's a bargain for Jimmy G, the game manager, in, in the way I've seen it this year, the way I view that offense. If you put Tom Brady in that offense with those weapons and that offensive line, I think uh, they could do very big things. And the from Brady's perspective, there's been a lot of talk about he wants to go somewhere, and you alluded to it, where he can have fun, but where the weapons are already in place. You're, with the Patriots, the weapons are not in place. Uh, the Patriots have to still go out and get a tight end like a George Kittle, who's already in place in San Francisco. They have to go out and get at least one more, I think, established veteran wide receiver um, who, who is a playmaker. And those things are already in place, and he has a Raheem Mostert uh, there in San Francisco as well. I agree with you. I, I just think that the Patriots have a long way to go before they can really compete with some of these other teams and what they have to offer offensively. Now, total package, you look at the Patriots defense, you look at the head coach, if really all you want to do is win, then New England still might be your best option. You know, I'm, I'm taking the 49ers off the board, but I'm looking at L.A. and Indy and Tampa and Chicago, Tennessee even. I, I would still look at New England and say, if I really want to get to a Super Bowl, Am I better off with Bill Belichick and this defense and hopefully an offense that will somehow find a way to improve? Maybe we'll be able to get a functional tight end. Maybe we can get – You're doing a lot of wishing, Phil. Who, <laughs> N- not to interrupt well, I'm just you. Saying, if it's Tom Brady, like you, you, that's how you look at it. It's not wishing because it's Bill Belichick and it's a good defense. I mean, you're going to Tampa and you're wishing Bruce Arians is going to take you to the promised land if winning is what you're concerned about. I don't know if winning is what Tom Brady's concerned about. I think he wants to look like he can still play into his mid-40s. I think he wants to prove people wrong. I don't think, and people may scoff at this, getting to a Super Bowl and winning 13-3 isn't exactly Tom Brady proving people wrong. Making a throw in the AFC Championship game, making a, a, a half a dozen really important and cr- crazy critical throws in the AFC Championship game, yeah, that's proving people wrong. Yeah, making a throw down the team to Rob Gronkowski, sure, that's proving people wrong. You scored 13 points in the Super Bowl. I think even Tom Brady would look at that and say, I don't want to be a sidecar anymore. If it's about me playing well into my 40s and showing the world that I can do that, I already have six rings. Like, why am I going to go and try to win every game 13-3 to with the Patriots in 2020 when I could go to Indy and we could put up 35 a game? That, to me, would make a greater statement, and, and I wonder – if that's what Brady is really after. Winning is nice. He's done a lot of winning. I think at this point right now, it's about proving people wrong, which it has been for a long portion of Tom Brady's career, and it would be the Patriots included. Uh, when when you talk about proving people wrong because they didn't want to commit to him a long-term deal, and I think by proving people wrong, you're going to want to put up numbers. And 
that's not in the cards here in New England, as far as I'm concerned. No, and I and I don't think this is about the money. I mean, the money about the you know the Ian Rappaport initial report over the weekend when Tommy Curran had a nice column about this. Patriots weren't too pleased with that because um, you know the Patriots maintain there has there is no starting point right now in terms of the financial offer on the table and. Um, you know, I don't think Tom Brady's primary concern is whether or not he's making 32 million, 35 million a year. I think it's whether or not he is, like you just said very well, you articulated it brilliantly, Phil. Can he go out there and prove people wrong? And can he still have fun playing the game at a very high level? And right now, I think the opportunity exists for him to probably do that somewhere else. And that's where, why I think he's going to wind up somewhere else. Uh, but we'll see. And we're going to wrap up here. Um, and you've been following this very well. You have great draft, uh, mock draft breakdowns or draft, pre- uh, preview breakdowns on NBC Sports Boston. I know you did the linebackers, uh, on Monday, but, um, a lot of people are still going to want to talk about quarterbacks, especially here in New England. Uh, the top two quarterbacks, uh, are going to be gone. You know, obviously, uh, when, when you talk about Joe Burrow from LSU and Tua, I think is going to be taken by the Dolphins at number five. Correct? Don't you think? If, if the medicals check out? I think they might even trade up just to make sure they get him. But yes, I, I think Tua will go to the Dolphins. Burrow will go number one. I think there is some question as to how long Justin Herbert lasts the big tall strong arm quarterback I'm not a big fan but I get I get yeah I get why scouts love him but I'm not I'm just not a big fan I'd love your analysis a couple I think last week Jordan Love out of Utah State is somebody I think I'd keep a close eye on yeah I just think he is a fascinating prospect and he is very much still a quarterbacking ball of clay a lot of picks this past season um, he had a little bit of an awkward final year at Utah State in that the head coach changed. They lost all but one offensive starter playing with Jordan Love going into last season. So he has a great junior year um, in 2018. Then he comes back and just has a really abysmal when it comes to the, the turnovers. I mean, he's, he's up over a, a, an interception per game. And I watched a handful of games, drags of this guy. And, you know, you could turn on the, the Wake Forest tape and there are plenty of pro quality like elite kind of throws where he's throwing into tight windows down the field quick release with touch uh driving the field across the field from the opposite hash i mean he has every throw in the book on the run from the pocket doesn't matter accurate strong armed but but and there's always a but with jordan love he had in that game alone that wake forest game he probably had five passes that should have been intercepted i think two of them were so how okay are you with that if you're the Patriots? Because he's probably not someone who can play right away for you. So maybe if you're New England, you say, okay, we're comfortable rolling with Jared Stidham. I'm not sure that's how they feel. They might have to keep Stidham, invest at the position because you continue to invest Red there until mind. you find somebody that can work long-term. And then maybe you, and this is another name that I've thrown out repeatedly now, but he makes sense to me because he's low-cost. I do think he can be a starter, not a high-level starter, but he can get you through. He is a classic bridge quarterback, and it would be Marcus Mariota because if you can get him on a Ryan Tannehill type of deal, the deal that Tannehill signed to go to the Titans when he was trying to revive his career after losing his starting job with a bad team, Marcus Mariota loses his job. He needs a career revival. 
if he if he's willing to accept a one year two million dollar deal, which is what Tannehill took, I would do that all damn day with that guy and just hope that he can get you through. And then you have two young quarterbacks with a lot of physical talent that might evolve into the guy down the road. That to me seems like a, a pretty appealing option if Tom Brady doesn't come back. And and the thing I would uh, caution everybody, and I, I don't care if you're talking about insiders like yourself or Tommy Curran uh, or Mike Reese of ESPN, uh, anybody on the beat who who is really really well connected, you really don't know how the Patriots uh, what the Patriots think of Jarrett Stidham until you see them make personnel moves and then read the tea leaves, right? I mean, you really don't know at this point of the off season what they think about Jarrett Stidham because they're going to keep their mouth shut as they should and hold their cards close to the vest. Uh, but really, there's a lot to consider. If they re-sign Tom Brady or another veteran and they don't draft a high-round quarterback, I think we have our answer on Stidham. Would you agree with that? You know, it's interesting because I think I think two things. I think you can be high on a guy and still not know if he's the guy or if he's the guy right now. Like, I think they love what they saw from him this past season. They think he's smart. There's clearly some physical talent there that we all saw in the preseason making throws on the run, big arm. But you don't really know until you see a guy in a real game, a regular season game, making adjustments at the line, taking what the defense is giving him, and executing snap after snap, it's hard to know. In the same way, I don't think the Patriots really knew. I think they were high on Jimmy Garoppolo, but I think their understanding of what he was as a player really changed at the start of 2016 when he wins them a game on the road in Arizona, makes some critical throws down the stretch, the pressure's on, and then in Miami, the next game, before he gets hurt, I mean, it's the Dolphins, but... He is absolutely carving them apart. He's looking off safeties. He's throwing touchdowns uh, from, like, you know, 25, 30-ish yards away from what I can recall. And he has a phenomenal game before he gets hurt. And I think things change when you see a player in that environment perform. And they just haven't seen Stidham do that. So, and, and really all he has is one year in a system that is totally brand new to him that he hasn't had a whole lot of time to, in a, in a really an off season, which is critical to absorb and develop in. And so I think you can feel okay about him, but I'm not sure even they know right now, Treggs, if, if he's the guy. If they make him the guy, I think part of that is financial related, and it's the fact that, okay, we're in rebuilding mode right now. If we can get away with paying our quarterback $700,000 or whatever it is for Jared Stidham next year, He's fine from what we've seen in practice, and we're really not trying to compete for a championship anyway here, so let's roll him out there. I don't think, like, if, if he ends up the starter next year, I don't think it's because they think necessarily that he is the next long-term guy, if that makes any sense. So you are keeping busy on your free agency bonanza, right? The Phil Perry free agency bonanza on NBC Sports yes, Boston? Sir. How long is that? Uh, I assume that takes yes, us sir. right up and through till early March? We will have, uh, we will have, uh, what's tomorrow? We have defensive backs tomorrow coming out, um, on Tuesday and then Friday. We'll actually, believe it or not, because I am a, a purist, Trags, as you know, we'll delve into the special team situation Amen. on the Patriots. Actually kind of interesting this year. Steven well, Guskowski, what are we going to do? What's happening there? And Matthew um, Slater, so obviously. That'll be Friday. 
Matthew Slater as well. You know, all these guys, they have to figure out what they're doing. Uh, and then we've got combine coverage um, coming up. End of the month here, I'll be out in Indy. We'll be trying to uh, glean what we can on the Tom Brady front. I think that's where you're going to start. The, the combine, as we know, is sort of the beginning of the illegal tampering period. You have the legal tampering period right before free agency. Yep. The combine is really the unofficial start of the illegal tampering period because all the agents are there, all the teams are there, and people talk even when they're not supposed to. So hopefully we will uh, we will have some interesting nuggets coming out of Indy. Uh, at the end of the month. I want to thank everybody for downloading today's podcast and thank our terrific guest, the authentic voice of the authentic Patriots fan, Phil Perry uh, of NBC Sports Boston. Follow him on uh, on Twitter at Phil A. Perry. Also want to thank our great sponsor, betonline.ag. For producer Michael Angi and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, This is Mike Petralia, and this has been the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media. Hello, I'm Dan Lothian, host of the Behind the Media Podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Along with Jimmy Young, we dive into the biggest media headlines each week with honest, informed, and sometimes irreverent perspectives. It's not all serious. We deliver information and entertainment. As we like to say on Behind the Media, we find the interesting in media so you don't have to go searching for it. Listen to our podcast and get prepped for the next trip to the water cooler. Subscribe to Behind the Media wherever you get your podcast or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.